right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. Kansas, victorious in Fort Worth. Kansas! Are we ready to call it? Are we ready to call the Big 12 title? Oh, absolutely. You are. Derek, what did I tell you off air like three weeks ago? I don't know. So Kansas going to win the conference by two games. <laughs> remember when, they, when it was like, uh, I'm trying to remember what game this was. They won a game, then I walked in the next morning and I said, Kansas going to win the conference by two games. But I wasn't ready to unleash that publicly on the airwaves. <laughs> I think now I am. Why not? So you think they're going by two? We're here. Well, I guess if Kansas wins out, realistically, Texas is going to lose one of their next three, and then you'd be beating Texas. So you would win by two, as long as Baylor loses again, too. Exactly. Boom. I, I, honestly, I told like, you. Dude, I'm a savant. That is not that crazy of I'm a, a wizard anymore. It's not. I, I, I don't expect a, it to I happen, am, but. I am a wizard. I'm a time traveler. Anything else you would like to share? Since we have this um, opportunity. What's going to be the final score of Kansas Lindenwood in 2028? Kansas. No, I don't want to say that. I don't know if I can say that on there or not. I probably can. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm interested. Kansas 420, Lindenwood 69. Final score. Wow. You definitely can't say that. We're going I to can't? get in a lot of trouble. I'm just kidding. Don't hit the dump button. I was kidding. I didn't hit the dump button. Okay. Yes, you can say that. You're exposing the show that we have a dump button. Well, everybody, no, I mean, the, of course we have a dump not button. Not everyone knows. We have had to hit the dumb button on the show before, before you were here, and it That's has we become hit, a... We had to hit it once in, when I was here. Did we? Yeah. From what? We recorded an interview with one of the football players, and he said a word in the interview that we <laughs> failed to edit out. That's right. <laughs> before we put it on the I think, air. Uh, I, won't, I won't clarify who it was, but <laughs> I, I believe it was a running back I, I don't remember, on the Kansas football I don't football remember team. who it was, actually. I'll just say it was a running back. I know exactly who it was. <laughs> okay. So you can use your imagination on which running back it was. <laughs> Uh, so KU wins at TCU, sixty-three to fifty-eight, and you know there, there's something pretty about how I I don't know if this is just Bill Self is worn on me. Pretty what? Yeah, there's something pretty about how ugly it was. Like, okay, so hear me out. If if you continue I'm, to play ugly games, I'm if, if every game you play is an ugly game. You're just ugly. You know what I mean? Like uh, like your team is just not that good. Yeah, you continue you're, you're to win close at that point. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But if every now and then you need an ugly win and you win it ugly, there's something beautiful about that because it does show that you can win when you're playing bad. So again, if every game is ugly, then maybe that just means you're just bad. Exactly, because if you have to, if you're like, oh well, we we, we if you have to win every bad, game forty four like to forty, bad, right? If you have to win every game forty four yeah. to forty, number one, I'm not going to be watching anymore. <laughs> number two, you're bad. Yeah, and, and that hasn't really happened uh, for this year's team. Like as we've discussed. We haven't really seen this team win an ugly game yet. Most no, of their but that's games have been the to games their court. That they have played bad, they've just lost. Correct. <laughs> Which is why this was an important skill for me 
to see if they could demonstrate. And is it a skill you think? I think it is 100%. I mean, some of Bill Self's best teams, like think about the 2011-2012 the team that made it all the way to the title game before falling to Kentucky. That team was probably the best that Bill Self has had at being able to win ugly games and ugly up games. I mean, you could call the Iowa State game at home an ugly game. 62 I, to 60. Maybe. The final score would indicate it that way. I but just it remember that one being like, like a slower a, pace. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't, sloppy, right. dirty, gross, no, obscene that game. That was this game. Like, KU shot 39%, TCU shot 30%. Both yeah. teams uh, missed a million Dude, laps. Dude, in the first four minutes of the game, I was convinced the final score was going to be 2-0. to zero. Yeah, it was 0-0 for nobody the first. Could score. So Grady hit the three. Uh, I think KU as a team went 16 of 35 on layups. So ugly game. They were three. Ugly of, game. K was three of sixteen from three. Grady was the only guy that hit a three. Yeah, ugly game. But you win an ugly game on the road yeah. against a good opponent, and it's more of a rarity that you've been able to do it. That to me shows that you can do it. That you have unlocked the ability to do it. I mean, if you want to go far in March, if you want to play four, five, six games in March, chances are there's going to be one game, if not two. That you're going to have to win where you make the other team play bad, where you ugly it up. Think back to to all the runs that, like, if, if you want to just go back to the, the final four runs that Kansas has made. Okay. Probably the one exception for a run that Kansas made to the final four under Bill Self where they had to ugly up a game was the 2018 team. But that also was not what that team was. That team was a, we're going to hit a bunch of shots. You know what I mean? Like, that, that team was just yeah. different. Yeah. But of the other three Bill Self teams make a final four. So you think back to 2008, the Davidson game? That was an ugly game. That was it. You had to ugly it up. You had well, to make them worse, game. right? Uh, you think back to last season, the the Providence game. I mean, you, you had, what, 24, yeah. 26 points at halftime, and you led yeah. by nine? Yeah. That was an ugly game. Yeah. I think Jalen Wilson led. I think Ochai had, like, four points that game against Providence. Um, uh, Jalen, like, led the team with 15 that game. And then uh, you think back to 2012, as I said, that's just kind of what that team was. Like the 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 NC State game in the Sweet 16, that was an ugly game. The uh final four game against Ohio State, that was an ugly game. So like if you're gonna make a long run, you have to at some point be able to win an ugly game. We hadn't really seen it for this team to this point, and, and I thought that was really impressive. And it was it was almost more enjoyable for me than than normal. Like I said, if you string together ugly games, it gets it, it wears on you. But if you do it every now and then, I don't know. There, there's something endearing hey, about you it. You really are becoming like Bill. Self. I, I know because those, because Bill Self. Those are the ultimate Bill this, Self. Wins. Yeah, this this is the Bill Self like game. This is what he wants. If he could win every game on the road, sixty to fifty eight, he would. He loves these games. Yeah, he lives for them. Yeah, I think he's gonna watch the film the of that game over and over again, probably. Uh, I gave him truth serum and said, what's your favorite one of the season? Yes, it's that one. 100%. Yes. Why? On the road, you were trying to avoid a sweep, and it was just a bad game, and you won. Yeah. This dude loves bad games. Exactly. Nobody loves bad games more than Bill Self. Why? I don't know. You were in foul trouble. Jalen, your your best player, struggles, and you still went on the road. Yeah, Jalen. led for over 30 minutes. Jalen stunk in the first half. Yeah. Which, by the way, TCU kind of just stinks, too. What do you mean? They suck. Why do you do this? Why do I do what? KU beats someone, and instead of you being like, "Hey, that was a good game for KU," it's just like, "No, they suck." <laughs> well, that I mean, if, do you disagree? Uh, yes, I think TCU is a good team. That they, just they, is also sucky. 
I, I I don't know what you want me to say. That I <laughs> Kansas uh, lost by TCU to twenty three in Allen Fieldhouse. So to they be did. able to go on the road and and beat them in Fort Worth, no, it's a big one. Very good, big one. And Kansas defense was maybe the best they've had all season. Do you think? Mm-hmm. I think that was the best defensive game of the season for Kansas. Uh, probably for the entirety of the game. Yeah, I mean, you could argue like just the they've second half stretches. against Baylor, right? But yeah, for an entire game, holding down. TCU to what you I mean you held them to 30% from the floor. Think about yeah. this. Mike Miles and Damian well, Remember, This Baugh. is a team that came into this game shooting over 50% from two points. Yeah. I mean, they're the most efficient two point shooting team in the conference. Mike Miles will probably be like a I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be first team all Big 12 because of the games he missed, if that's going to discount him there. He'll at least yeah. be first or second team. He'll probably be second team. I yeah. And then Damian Ball probably be either like third team or, or honorable mention. Uh, those are two really good guards, though, is the point. Uh, they can take over games. They kind of did yeah. when you played now in Fieldhouse. KU did the thing they did against Baylor where they said, we're just going to stick to Juan Harris and Kevin McCuller on those two guys. And it worked. It worked. You held them to 8 of 30 combined. That'll play. That's pretty good. Also, Eddie Lampkin only had two points. Yeah, he just didn't do anything, really. No. Didn't really do anything. Tip of a cap to, to both what KJ and I, I thought Ernest played a really good game. Dude, okay. The bench. Here's the deal with Ernest. Mm-hmm. He's great and he plays really well. He's just a he's just sometimes he just fouls. <laughs> I don't even understand how or why. He just fouls. But you know what? I, I'm it's fine with it. No, he's a freshman. It's I mean fine. he's Whatever. he's only being asked to play No, I know it I don't have a problem with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, if he wants game, to become like Yes, the starter, like a star for the team. But he's not. That's he's never going to be his, learn his role to, this year. He's going to have to learn to use his brain to control his arms. Because <laughs> right now, it just seems like his arms just do whatever they want. Uh, Ernest Uday is that you know the the sign they yeah, have the up in the TCU crowd? No, 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 no. no. Oh. The, the the one they have up in the TCU oh, crowd. Oh, the Jamie Dixon one. It's Jamie Dixon, and they're moving the arms. That's, that's Ernest what Uday. it is. Yes. Yeah, that's he Ernest has like Uday. three brains. Yeah, he's got but, one brain for his body, <laughs> and then one brain for either of his arms. He had three and skills they just, though. They just flail around. It has a plus oh, and minus. Great. Yeah, the yeah. arms are great because they like they have their own like brain, the, so they just know like when to flail and get knocked the ball away. You know, in Mario, like the original Mario's, where you're running through the course. And they have the the like <clears throat> sticks with flames on them, and they just go in a circle, and you have to void them as you're jumping through stuff. Do you have yes. any idea what I'm talking about? No, yes, that's Ernest Duday's arms. It's like sometimes Dude, you're I'm only get through it. Three years younger than okay, you. I what don't do you know. Mean? How would you're I not giving know? Giving me a blank stare. How would I, I not know? You're giving me a blank stare. I don't know. Maybe you've never played Mario. Um, Dude, I played tons of Mario. So that's that's Ernest. But Dude, I was a Nintendo DS kid on the bus riding home after <laughs> school. Okay, grinding on so Mario. On the same page. But yeah, so I I was impressed with Ernest. KJ obviously struggled, but uh, you got enough at least defensively out of him there. Um, just really impressive defense, man. Uh, and, yeah. and and think about what the defense did to close the game too, because it, it was the entirety of the game. Yeah. But Kansas uh, had zero field goals. The final four forty-five of the game. Guess who else had zero field goals? The final four plus minutes of the game. TCU. TCU. There yeah, was they, no field goals for the last like five that's minutes. That's crazy. TCU finished one of ten and zero of six on their final six. Kansas finished one of seven and zero for four. But yeah, at, at their four forty-five mark, when they when they would no longer hit a field goal after that point, they had sixty points. TCU never okay. got to sixty. If there's one thing that I was disappointed by, or that. I a negative thing that I would take away from this game. It's that okay, you're up sixty to fifty five. There's like a little over a minute and a half left, I think. You got the ball. And Grady gets left wide open. Wide open from the from the wing for a three. The dagger three. Misses. That that in the NCAA tournament, you can't miss that. You I will agree that. with that, but also you're not gonna make every one of those. You can't if you're Grady, you can't miss it. You're wide open, you're a forty five percent three point shooter. 
a dagger to three point, to, I, to literally ice the game. Grady was awesome in the, in the first half. You can't miss those. He kept your offense afloat in the first half. He missed a lot of open shots. Yeah, no, he didn't. He, yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, he had. Okay, like there was meat he left didn't on the score bone. at all. He didn't score at all for the last like twelve minutes. But I think that's kind of the roller coaster you go on when your main thing is being a shooter because. Not if you're a 45% shooter. From See, three. I disagree. I mean, there's there's going to be games in there where it's just like you go four for five, and then there's other games where you go. It's like being a home run hitter in baseball. Not every game you're going to hit a home run, but you might hit two in a certain game. That's how I view it. You, you kind of just got to like roll with it, and, and you you almost have to view it as like, Listen, did we get an open look? More of those will go in than not. All I'm saying is, if you're left, if you're a 45% three point shooter, and you're left wide open with a chance to literally end the game. In the tournament in March, you got to make that shot. You got to make that shot. Obviously, it was fine in this game, but in the tournament, that that needs to That's go. Fair. In. That needs to go in. Uh, so we do have to pick an an MVP here, and, and this it doesn't just go for you know us deciding who the MVP is, just for the fun of talking about <laughs> it. But uh, also, we did our giveaway with mini jerseys yesterday, and uh, the who winner the of winner? it. Yeah, it, it was funny. So I saw everyone was everyone was. Like in the 70s or like 80s. Seventies, yeah. yeah. Did anybody even come close? Uh, so the closest, there were two people who tied for being 18 points off. Okay. Which was, that was the closest, 18 wow. points off. Because everybody was picking too high of a score. Uh, but the one that came in sooner with the 18 points off, it is at D Coker 275. So What was his prediction? Um, Let's see. I think it was like 70 to 60-something. Let's see. Um... 71-68 Kansas. Okay. That was the closest one. So he ends up winning. And the giveaway here we're doing with mini jerseys. Go check them out with all these these awesome little mini jerseys. You can, you know, decorate your house or whatever. Um, we are going to pick the game MVP, and that's the mini jersey that he's going to get. So I think, I think I mean, obviously you're not going to take anyone off the bench for the MVP. Like I said, I thought Ernest played well, but you're not going to take him to be MVP. Um, the bench guards struggled, so you're not going to take them. No. Uh, Jalen Wilson struggled. You're not going to pick him. KJ yeah. Adams struggled. You're not going to pick him. So you're down to, I, I think, Grady three guys. Grady scored but struggled. He did, but also, half. I will say, to Grady's credit, as, as much as, like, so first of all, he kept you afloat offensively in the first half. Sure. The only reason you're up four at halftime is because Grady Dick. He was awesome in the first Fine. half. Yeah. Second half, he slowed down. Uh, I think he was like one for seven in the second half. But when you look at it at the end of the day, 19 points on 18 shots in a normal game. You're like, yeah, that's not that's not like terrible efficiency, but it's not like good efficiency either. But in this game, where TCU shot 30 percent and T- and Kansas shot 39, that actually was really good efficiency for that game. Fine, sure. He led everyone in scoring for the game, so I, I think he deserves. Credit. He I also score for 12 minutes. He did, but he also he was really good at, at getting some of those tap out rebounds, give you extra possessions, or tapping a ball on the defensive glass to make sure I you thought, guys secured it. But sorry. A quick little side note here. Mm-hmm. I thought on that to that note, I thought that Kansas got really lucky on multiple occasions with bounces and balls going certain ways for them. That led to scoring. Maybe I think they did. I think they got pretty lucky. They definitely uh, got lucky on. I mean, there was I can think of a couple p- plays off the top of my head where there's one where KJ like, lost somebody, it. Where somebody's got it and it's like the ball like pinballs and it somehow gets to like McCuller wide open for a yeah. layup or yeah, something the, like that. KJ just lost it on the way up and McCuller happened to be crashing yeah. the other way and yeah. it led to it. But counterpoint TCU also banked in the free throw right after that. No, they so did. Maybe it. I don't know. They did bounce out a little bit. Okay, um, is banking in a free throw more or less embarrassing than airballing a free throw? Uh, that's a good question. 
it's less like, embarrassing. You still get the point. Yeah, you still get the point, but like you, you, you. But I think people in. are mad. Like at you, you missed so bad that it would have airballed if the backboard didn't exist. Yeah, that's true. But you still get the point. So I think, I think banking it in has to be less embarrassing because you got the point. Yeah. But like, but if hypothetically we were playing in a world where banking, like if you didn't call the bank, it didn't count. That'd be like you had to. Then banking would be worse. <laughs> you know, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. If you had to, if it was like the eight ball and pool where you had to call your <laughs> shot every time you're shooting. Uh huh. That'd be. Tough. I actually, I'm all for that. I think that should be a cool thing. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, we got sidetracked. So Grady Dick. Is a candidate. I don't know that we'll pick him, no, but wanted to at least bring out. him up. Okay, he's, he's out. Dewan uh, Harris Dewan would Kevin. be the other one. Yeah, Kevin McCuller would be the last. So Dewan, his case is that he had eight assists to zero turnovers. He was excellent on the defensive end, shutting down Mike Miles, or yep. at least you know Mike Miles still had what like thirteen hey, points, Dewan but Harris, was super inefficient in his last three games. Twenty six assists, two turnovers. Incredible, incredible in three games. Uh, the way that he's just kind of you know led your offense here. Uh, the no look pass that he had to the cutter in the middle for like the dunk, like he has been awesome. So that's his case. Kevin McCuller's case is that he also played great defense, mostly yeah. on Damian Baugh, who also was very inefficient. And he scored 15 points. And he scored 15. Dewan had just six. And Kevin made the defensive blocks, yes, jump ball at the end of the game, of the game. plus the free throws to ice it. Correct. So my and vote is Kevin McCuller. Kevin also was six of 13. Dewan was three of nine. So efficiency would be to Kevin. I would vote Kevin McCuller as well. Okay, so we're in a we're, Both are deserving. Honestly, yeah. you know what the most low-key stat of all for Kevin McCuller is? What's that? He played 39 minutes, which... On a bum ankle. Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. Like, the Baylor game, he played on the hurt ankle. After the game, you heard in the post-game, Bill Self said he's hurting right now, he's in a lot of pain. And he goes out there in a game where Jalen Wilson, where Grady Dick, where Ernest Duda, where KJ Adams have foul trouble. Yeah. They're like, well, we need somebody to stay out there. Like, they had to play way too many Dude, minutes of the a, lineup with Joe, Bobby, and This was Bobby a weird Bob. lineup It game. was. There were some weird lineups out there that somehow didn't lose. And so basically it was, hey, we need one guy to stay out there. Can somebody, like, Dewan stayed out there majority too. But we need, can one of the wings stay out there, please? Okay. And it was Kevin. I thought it was really, what I, what I thought was really funny was, so Bill takes, Bill takes Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick both out. They both have two fouls with, like, ten minutes left in the game. And now we're and now he's rolling out, you know, Bobby, Joe, MJ, Kevin, and and Uday, I think, mm-hmm. or KJ. And it's like, okay, let's get this lineup to the under eight. Well, that lineup ended up doing like kind of well for the two minutes they were out there. Okay, given the circumstances. <laughs> so then at the end of it, I'm like, all right, Bill, let's 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 get the let's get the big guns out there again. And he kept them on the bench again after the under eight. And I was like, dude, we're playing with fire here. What what are we doing here? He did bring him in eventually. With he did what, pretty like five, quickly. Six minutes. No, yeah, he seven. brought him in pretty quickly after that because things and then they started to until like a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was big to to be up by four. I uh, when TCU got up 25-21, I was kind of thinking like just just get it tied at halftime and then you'll have your guys back for the second half and, and you'll yeah. be okay with it. They ended up being up four at the end of the half, so that was pretty impressive. But um, in the end, end of the day, like kind of the hey, we haven't talked about this either, but Ernest uh, Ernest hasn't missed a shot in Big Twelve play. That's insane. I mean, he won't. He, he are they all dunk attempts? They've got to be, right? I mean, he's made a couple of layups. That's true. He had the one against was it Baylor where he or, or was it TCU? I think it was TCU. He like off the transition, like crashed into yeah, the guy and laid it. Yeah, in, he's right? had a couple of layups. So I guess he has. Uh, I, I there was like one possession where Ernest was like on Mike Miles, and I don't think KU realized it. So I was I was interested to see if if he would have got the ball if he could like done something with it, but uh, that didn't end up happening. That is pretty incredible though for him. But uh, biggest biggest deal out of all this, like 
the, even though even if Texas wins tonight against Iowa State, you'll look up at the standings and you'll go, oh, they're tied. Like, why would KU have basically wrapped up the Big 12? Well, it's because KU, KU has, has to play West Virginia and Tech at home, two yeah. games that they should win upcoming. And if you win both, all you need to clinch at least a share is Texas to lose once. And guess who Texas plays after Iowa State? They're at Baylor and at TCU. Chances yeah. are they're going to lose one of two. So yes. the... The opening toward winning the Big 12 has really come up. We also saw a lot of people uh, last night like, kind of talking about through the national college basketball media, like Bill Self, Coach of the Year. We saw uh, KU's in contention for yeah. the number one overall seed. Like yeah. All these things that are a result of this game that it completely opened up for this season. The Bill Self, Coach of the Year stuff kind of came out of nowhere. It really did. Yeah. yeah. It just right after the game, it was like, oh, okay. Which I don't really know why that was the game that people were like. Oh, I don't either. Ah, this is yes, yes, this is the game. <laughs> I have decided now. Bill Self is a good coach. Yes. <laughs> well, everything's in front of you now. You have all the opportunities in the world uh, for the Big Twelve. He's Nick Springer. Yes, that team in Lawrence, <laughs> Kansas, is really good. I'm Derek John. Maybe they have a good coach. Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, joins us in less than 15 minutes. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, joined now on our weekly Tuesday traditions by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. You can find all his coverage from down in Fort Worth last night. And uh, I, I guess by far the most important question that I will probably ask today, Matt, what, what is the story? Uh, give us the, the scoop. What's going on with, with the ball that KU took back? Isn't that so cool? Um, it, it was unbelievable. We 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 uh, we didn't even really know, obviously, about the first one. Um, but I guess TCU took a ball from Lawrence, and it had the it was a Wilson basketball, and it had a Jayhawk on it, and they posted on some of their some of the players um, posted on their social media accounts, or maybe even the team account. I don't I don't really remember. Um, but they, they very much made it clear that they had a ball, the game ball, the game ball from that win. Um, over KU back in January, and uh, you know, obviously that's fun. And and if you if you beat somebody eighty three to sixty on their home floor, you can you can kind of boast about it a little bit. But um, Kansas didn't forget it clearly, and uh, so um, they obviously wanted to win last night because of the the importance of that victory in the race and their seating and confidence and all those things. But it man, it was very clear after the game that that getting that ball back was a big part of that revenge factor. And they didn't bring the same ball home. Cause that, you know, that's probably at Mike Miles apartment or something, but, um, but they did take a TCU ball and it was a Nike ball and, and they rode on it as you've seen. And they, you know, they celebrated with it in the locker room and they, they got out of there with it. So we were grabbing Dewan Harris for two minutes. Um, just to talk to him about the game. And, and, uh, as we grabbed him on his way out the door, uh, two, three, four, he was holding the ball and two, three, four people from the Kansas locker room came out and walked by him and said, Hey, Duan, don't, don't get out of here without that ball. Don't forget the ball. Don't lose the ball. I mean, they all cared a great deal about it. So, um, you know, naturally then we kind of asked him, well, what's up with the ball? And, and he explained it and, um, it's cool, man. I mean, you know, there, this isn't like the most intense rivalry. Uh, it hasn't been, and, and it, it's certainly been very lopsided KU's favor over the years. Um, so that, that hurts it become a rivalry too, sort of like the chiefs and Broncos currently, if you can, you know, relate to that. Um, but 
it's becoming a little bit of a rivalry. There's some there's some juice there now. There's some uh, you know some pettiness. There's there's the players are having fun with it. I think on both sides. I don't think it's nasty or ugly or anything like that. But um, I, I think they they, uh, they they realize that you know turnabout is fair play, as they say. And, and Kansas got out of there, and, and their inventory and their closet has the right number of balls now. Again, it doesn't have the same brand. It's not the exact same ball, but it is the right number. And this one, I think, meant a little more to those guys. And just kind of a, a fun story with all that. And you saw him wearing the T-shirts of the, the Funky Town, which I, I have no Do you have any idea what that had to do with, like, the, the Funky Town thing? Did that, that had nothing to do with KU, right? I, no, nothing. No, I, I think that's their unofficial, okay. maybe even just this year, because it's the first time I've ever seen it uh, in all my years going down there. But but unofficial name of the student section, student cheering section. That's That's the best I could gather. They handed out all those shirts. They had them on all the... All the seats when when we got there last night, you know, for the whiteout effect or whatever it is, and uh, they all said Funky Town. And and look, over the years, you know, I, I'll admit it to you, I, I've been known to to grab an extra one of those from Texas or TCU or where West Virginia or wherever. You know, sometimes they have extras of those, and I'll grab one on my way out the door, use it as a lawn mowing shirt or workout in it or whatever, and. I saw those last night. And I was like, eh, I don't, I don't think I need that one. That's ah. just, that's that's above my head. And yeah, look at me now, right? I wish I'd taken ten yeah. because they're kind of collectors' items. I probably could have uh, could have really put the, put together a nice uh, you know eBay package of these shirts and really got rich. But I wouldn't do that. And um, you know, it's uh, it's 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 just another another thing that that teams. Try to do, you know. I mean, I'd I'd be interested to see how many teams have opposing teams do the whiteout thing or the color coordinating thing or whatever it is more than Kansas. You know, I don't I don't think they have that many. You know, like does that happen everywhere Baylor goes? Does that happen everywhere K State? No, there there there's only one time I can remember over the past decade that Kansas has even done like a t-shirt giveaway which they don't need to so I'm not like saying that they they you know do whatever you like it, it's filling out it's selling out people are happy anyway but it was the Kentucky game when they brought the the rules of basketball back but I I'm sad that you didn't you didn't grab one of the t-shirts because then you could have done a recreation photo of the Grady Dick photo after the game that would have been great that would have been great I, you know it would have looked exactly the same on me he's Six eight, uh, you know, lean, <laughs> cut, strong, and I'm basically the same. Yeah, I'm not quite pretty much eight, but you know, it would it probably would have been a very similar picture. You would have had to wonder, you know, who was who, <laughs> especially if I had a hood up and was hiding my black hair and or gray hair as it may be, um, whatever the case is. So, um, yeah, no, it was a cool. It was a very cool way to end what was a pretty great night for Kansas because. Um, you know, it was an eight o'clock game. That's a crappy deadline for a newspaper reporter. And I was unsure how the game was going to end. Right. No one even knew the outcome until that last 30 seconds, really. So, um, hard to write that story. The version that was in the paper today, um, you know, not a lot of fun. The version that'll be in the paper tomorrow will be all about that ball. And so people, if you, if you read your paper today and didn't love what you saw, Give it a look if you haven't already seen it online. We'll have better coverage tomorrow. And, and yeah, it was fun. It was a big win for Kansas. They needed it. They, they, they walked out of there feeling really good. And because that story was so fun and different and cool, I, I walked out of there feeling pretty good, too.
Well, into uh, some of that stuff that happened in the game, I, I kind of thought that it was the first time that Kansas really was able to win a game where they uglied it up this season. Uh, that was kind of one of my questions that I had coming into, you know, maybe before that game, that could Kansas win a game where it was ugly? Because if, if you're going to go on a long run in the NCAA tournament, it seems like at some point, like one of the games, if not two, you're going to need to win a game where you're not playing well and you have to kind of make the other team play bad, as, as Bill Self kind of likes to talk about. Uh, that was my kind of biggest takeaway from the game. D- did you think uh, the KU would be able to win a game like that where they could ugly it up before uh, that game against TCU? I wouldn't have thought that, you know, three, four weeks ago for sure. Um, and and, and you were, you'd be right to still question it even going into last night. Um, but what we've seen from this team over the last five games has has been an indication that they're they're gaining on that and, and they're they're becoming comfortable with that and and even really enjoying that and that's the Kansas way that's the pride thing that's the buying in thing and I think these guys are starting to understand that and and you know that it shows up I mean it it was ugly. Um, you know, the, the, there's so much talk about that that um, the post game stuff with the ball and everything and the shirts. I mean, it's how petty that was, right? And I even incorporated that. You know, that was the right word for it because you can't put an R there in the second letter and and use the word pretty for anything that happened last night. You you got to take that out. And and um, I don't think these guys care. I don't think I don't think they care. I think if anything. You know they understand, especially the guys that have been around. Um, they understand that that's the kind of basketball that, that Bill Self maybe doesn't love the most, but it's a close second if it's not first. Of course, he would love to see his teams execute. You know, like like the like the first half of that North Carolina game in the Final Four, right? Or the second half against Baylor the other day, um, where everything's just clicking and, and it looks easy, and you're just dominating. You know, that's that's the chosen. Um, style of basketball for any coach, I'm sure. But if if you have to pick a second one, I, I think that's it, where you just compete and you just find a way. And that's what Kansas has been doing in all these games. And, and uh, that certainly was what happened last night. Uh, especially, especially interesting, and I just posted this right before you called, but, I mean, Jalen had seven points. And I, I think you're starting to see the, the, the offensive growth of the rest of that roster showing up in that in the way that it shows that Jalen can score seven points or two points like he did against Texas, and they can win those games now. That wasn't the case a month or two ago, and um, so I did a, I did a thing, and I, I referenced what I just posted, but I did a thing where I just looked at you know if you took. Jalen's average in those two games, the TCU and Texas game, which was, you know, he, he scored nine points, so four and a half, so we'll call it five points a game. If you play that out over the rest of the Big 12 schedule, so let's say Jalen scored five points in every Big 12 game this year, what would that have looked like? Well, it would have meant five more losses for KU. And, you know, would other guys have stepped up and found a way to score some points? Probably. But can you – definitively say who they would have been i mean DeWan's not the most automatic scorer especially early in the season kevin mccullough's hot and cold kj adams doesn't go get his own offense um and grady dick you know he's a freshman he, he can certainly get hot and he's really hot right now but 
I, I just it was something creative, fun, different, interesting that killed some time on the plane when I was flying home. And um, you should check it out. It's kind of fun. Like I said, it would have been five more losses. So I, I think not only does it underscore the importance of Jalen and how much he has meant to this team, even though everyone knows that because he's averaging 20 a game and he's going to be Big 12 Player of the Year and all that stuff. I think this is just another way to look at that and say, hey, this is this is a new way to look at how important he's been beyond the numbers. And then you also see that in the growth of his teammates. And, and um, last night was a great example of that. I mean, Ernest had six, Bobby had two, and, and uh, MJ had two. There's ten, you know. Well, two months ago, those would have been ten points that Jalen had to find a way to get. And now, even though it's only ten points, he got help. And so instead of him scoring 17, he scored seven. Those other guys chipped in with what they could do. And in a game where he scores 63 points and went on the road to get 10 points from those types of players is massive. So I just think that we're starting to see the real growth of of this roster, Um, not just in terms of buy-in and making teams play bad and and everything we were talking about a minute ago, but, but really as a complete team. And that's pretty scary for the rest of college basketball, you know, and, and you, you have to wonder if they're, they're here for good, if it's here to stay. Um, and with the Big 12 and then just the nature of the game, you know, it can disappear as quickly as it comes. We all know that. But I think right now this, this group really does have that vibe about it that says we're confident, we're complete, and we're ready to roll. So let's go bring it texas you want to you want to play a three-game series for the title let's do it forget the rest of the games let's just go and you know i think they take on anybody right now and um they're definitely a, a national title contender again and 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 they're they're really good right now it's incredible i'm glad you mentioned that little aside about bill self and how these are kind of the types of games that he just really loves right i mean if you gave him truth here right now would you say that he might say that this was his most favorite win of the season this one against ccu yeah, I mean, really, to be honest, it's this one or the freaking Baylor one, um, which just happened, you know. And and you know, seeing you you guys are there some, and 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 obviously people listening see the the videos and the post game press conferences and all that. But there's there's a little bit of time, whether it's walking back to the locker room or whatever, where we get a little extra time with self. And I'm telling you, man, he is he is incredibly proud of this team right now. I mean, he, those are two really good wins that he's like. Um, on another level, proud of and excited about. And I, I think not just because they were big wins in the, in the here and now and, and this moment and what, what they're trying to accomplish, which is winning the Big 12, but I think he understands that they're big wins for the big picture. And he's starting to say, gosh, this is, we've got a shot. You know, we, with this team playing this way, we, we've got a shot. And you're starting to see national guys, national analysts, talking about the back-to-back thing uh nobody's done it since florida i think it's happened twice since 1951 or something crazy like that i mean it just doesn't happen but the fact that people are talking about it shows boy the, the spotlight could really be on kansas and they could if they continue to play this way and grow and 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 can make a run again um boy they could be really putting themselves into some rare company and an elite group and bill self himself could be um, taking a real step forward, and you know, he's already one of the best coaches of all time. He's already, you know, a legend at Kansas. He's in the Hall of Fame, all that stuff. But um, man, if if he could if he could do that with this team, especially, um, you, you'd you'd have to start looking at him on a on a on a whole other level with um, 
you know, comparing him. And, and he already gets compared to Coach K and, and, and those types of coaches. Wooden even. I mean, a long way to go before Wooden. But, you know, um, he, would, he would be in a different stratosphere, I think. So um, pretty wild stuff. And, and I think that's, that's why they're so locked in. They're, just, they're, they're appreciating the moment. They're enjoying what they're doing right now. And they're just trying to recreate it every time out because they know it's fleeting. And uh, instead of worrying too much about what it means or where it's going to take them, they're just like, let's just, let's just stay here, stay locked in, compete like this every chance we get. And if, you know, six weeks from now you look up and that means you made a memorable run, then great, you know. But sometimes those blinders, putting those on and just staying really focused on, on what's right in front of you is the best way to attack that. He is Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. You can uh, find all of his work out there. Matt, anything you want to plug and uh, anything you want people to know about that they can check out right now? Man, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I wish I had that eBay site going. I, I, I would definitely plug that. I'd, I'd take a few extra bucks and, and uh, you know, my, buy myself a nice dinner or something, my family. But, you know, uh, I've got nothing, man. Our, our, our site's running and rolling and looks good, and, and I think most people are comfortable with the new the new look of it now. And, and um, yeah, there's a pl- ton of content up there right now, and more to come. We've got a few days before the next game, so uh, time to crank it out. All right. You can check out all their work again, KUSports.com, LJ World. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. All right, Derek. Thanks. You guys take care. All right. That's Matt Tate. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got uh, Kevin Flaherty joining us at 440. We got a little Bill Self audio coming up next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN, depending on it. it. Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show in less than 20 minutes from right now with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll uh, talk some more KU basketball. we got some player audio that we'll get to as well. Nick will be leaving here shortly to get to some high school basketball. You can hear those games over on 92.9 The Bull and Bull929.com with Free State. The girls will play first. The boys will play after. This is the uh, final week of the regular season for high school basketball. And then next week we'll have sub-state. Week after will be state tournament. So always a fun time of year with that going on as as well as kind of the end of the college basketball or uh, season. Yeah. There is uh, quite the situation going on over in Tuscaloosa, Alabama today. Yeah, some... Very interesting revelations have come out via testimony. So back in January, there was uh, a shooting that occurred involving a couple Alabama players, uh, Darius Miles, and I can't remember the name of the other guy, but uh, there was a shooting and someone, yeah. a, woman, a woman was killed and two of them were charged with, with capital murder. And so there's been an investigation, obviously, and kind of more came out of that today as part of like testimony and it sounds like potentially there could have been other players involved, uh, including their star freshman, Brandon Miller. Yes. So Brandon Miller is, like you said, he's a star freshman. He's, you know, popping up on on lists of, like, expected either first team, at the very least, second team All-Americans. Um, I guess national player of the year candidate, you could say, even though he's not going to win it. Uh, projected to be possibly even a top five pick in yeah. the NBA draft. And basically, yeah, the the report is that he supplied the gun. That the 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 Darius was Darius Miles, yeah, right? yeah. That he texted Brandon Miller asking for the gun, and that 
the gun is, I guess at that point, potentially from Brandon Miller, which would be a murder weapon. Now, I don't think uh, Brandon Miller hasn't been, I mean, if they know, if they know about this, Brandon Miller hasn't been, I guess, taken into uh, the police department or, or they're not viewing him as a suspect or, or charging him with anything, then... I, you're kind of at yeah, odds. Like, what do you do about it, right? Like, a, uh, a very muddy situation. Mm-hmm. But then there were some comments about by made by Nate Oates uh, that were a bit unusual, or yes, might make you raise your eyebrows a little bit. In which he basically said, he he essentially just brushed the whole thing aside and was like, "Oh yeah, we knew about all that. Whatever." That's basically what he said. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he basically, he finished it with like, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, yeah. Which that that comment does not come across great when he was texted asking for a gun and allegedly, I guess, then provided the gun. Yeah, that doesn't seem like. like that doesn't a, seem like, oh, he just happened to be in the wrong. That seems like, no, you accepted being in the wrong place and chose to, I don't, I don't know. So. I, there's been yeah. nothing that's come of it as of yet. Um, yeah, and it, it it feels like unless there's something like major that it probably nothing is going to significantly impact Alabama like with the tournament coming up and whatnot, but it's definitely a, a bit of a murky situation and and I think from like the NCAA standpoint, you're going to have potentially the number one seed in the tournament or a number one seed in the tournament with uh, a pretty serious legal situation, not necessarily hanging over their heads, but certainly shrouding the the program. Right, because this isn't, this isn't, you know, like KU last year who wins the title as they're in an investigation with the NCAA over, oh, did they pay this player? Did they offer to pay this? No, this is like a, a real crime. This is yeah, like a murder. Murder, yeah. Yes. Like someone was killed. Yeah. So I I don't know what's gonna come of it, and you know I'm I'm trying to just let things come out and see where all the details come out, and we'll kind of go from there. Like I also don't really want to approach this from a standpoint of well, this should help KU get a number one overall seat. No, like that's yeah, not the important yeah. part here, right? Um, but it's certainly something to monitor and keep an eye on because it's absolutely wild story that that keeps taking twists and turns into places that who knows if if they're done at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah, Big Twelve talk here. We got we have three big Big Twelve games tonight. All of them pretty big for different reasons. Are they big because they're in the Big Twelve, or mm-hmm. are they big because I think every Big Twelve game is big for that big reason. Game, yeah. Uh, maybe we didn't discuss that Big Monday. Is it just because it's the Big Twelve? No, because they have other teams on Big Monday. <laughs> okay, don't they? I don't, don't know. They only put other schools on Big Monday. Do they call it Big Monday though? Maybe that's when it's a little Monday. Maybe when it's Big Ten. Here's my, Monday? here's my question. So we have Big Monday, right? <laughs> yes. And then we have Super Tuesday. Yes. And then what's Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? <laughs> Wednesday is... <laughs> I don't know. They're not alliterations either. So. No, it's not. I mean, Big Monday, Super Tuesday. So Wednesday is... Wednesday what? is... Must win Wednesday. Yeah. Thursday is there's <clears throat> not as many good games today. And Friday is all these games suck so Friday. So not as many good games Thursday. <laughs> All these games suck Friday. Mm-hmm. Big Monday, Super Tuesday. And do they still call it the Super Tuesday? I think they do. Okay. 
If not, like the Sonic doing my heart. Super Tuesday. Yeah. So I guess Super Tuesday, uh, Baylor at Kansas State, okay. Texas Tech at Oklahoma, Iowa State at Texas. So two of the three games are interesting. Well, the Texas Tech one is interesting because Tech does have real life for being an NCAA tournament team now. Yeah. They probably have to win at least two of the last four and then a Big 12 tournament game. Maybe three of the next four. Yeah. Which yeah. they play at Kansas, so realistically this is probably a must win for them. <laughs> yeah. Which they can win at Oklahoma. They can. I mean, it's Oklahoma. We just we just talked about how they don't Oklahoma doesn't care. They don't care about basketball. Yeah, they've they've low key heated up a little bit too, uh, with Texas Tech and Oklahoma has kind of done the opposite. Yeah. Let's see. We haven't we also didn't discuss uh West Virginia just blasting Oklahoma State. Yeah, I guess uh, Oklahoma you asked yesterday, did Kansas break Oklahoma State? I think it's a definitive yes. It seems like yes. Yes. hundred percent agree with that. That's three straight games they've kind of been blasted. They've just a gotten bit. absolutely destroyed. And obviously they came into the KU game with the top five defense. And guess what? The defense stinks. Yeah. Well, now. now, now, like Oklahoma State might not even make the tournament. Right now, West Virginia and yeah. Oklahoma State are both kind of like leaning toward being in on the bubble. But now that means Oklahoma State has more work to do. With Texas Tech, they've won five of the last seven games, and they've won three in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they if they win at Oklahoma and then they beat TCU at home on Saturday, at that point they'd be seventeen and twelve. And six and ten in Big Twelve play. Thing is, every hypothetical scenario we come up with here involves TCU continuing to lose. Have you noticed that? Well, TCU can like, beat well, Texas. They beat TCU at home, uh-huh. and then you know TCU loses again here, lose again there. Well, TCU is going to end up being like a really underseeded NCAA. Yeah, they're going to be like a seven seed, and they're going to destroy whoever the two seed. They yeah, gets. who's going to be that two seed that loses? Uh, St. Mary's. No, St. Mary's is supposed to be like a five right now. Oh. Which I don't get why Gonzaga is ahead of St. Mary's because St. Mary's is winning their league ahead of them and they beat them head to head. And I don't anyway. Uh, who's the other two? The two seed projections. It was UCLA, Arizona, Texas, Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, It'll be Tennessee. 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 Boom. There we go. Yep. They could be Tennessee. TCU is going to get the TCU seven. TCU in the seven-two matchup against Tennessee, and they're going to beat Tennessee oh my gosh. by thirty. That's one hundred percent happening. That's one hundred percent happening. Yep. We have to will it into existence. So yeah, yep. uh, that's going to be what happens there. Joe. Joe Lenardi. TCU 17. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I mean, Tech is obviously, the Tech at OU is obviously the one that is not as least clear. relevant tonight, um, yeah. even though it does possibly matter for, for the NCAA. Baylor, K-State, and Iowa State of Texas. If K-State beats Baylor, Baylor is like officially dumb. dead for even. Pretty much dead. Because right now, Baylor's clinging to the hope that, hey, if we win out, yeah, and then Texas beats KU in the finale, and Texas loses well, at that point, they would have beaten Texas if they're winning out. Then we get at least a share of the Big 12, and it's a three-way tie. At That's what they're clinging to. At 13-5? Yeah. So if they if they lose this, they're basically done. They're so done. I don't know. Who do you no, root for in this game? Dude, I root for both teams to lose. <laughs> I don't know. I think you got to kind of root for K-State to win. No. But I, I don't want to root for Scott Drew either. Because that's the problem. If, if Baylor wins out... Then all of a sudden they're tied with big tw- or with KU for you know the Big Twelve. So I that's not true. If KU beats Texas, well, yeah, sure. If they win out, uh, I think you got to root for K State. I do. This is just a lose lose situation for all me. Right. Well, maybe just don't watch it and after look at the the scoreboard and be like, okay, well, there's the positive out of that. Yeah, yeah, that's probably uh, what I'll do. Any chance Iowa State wins at Texas? Maybe. I don't think it's very high, though. 
Iowa State, haven't they been kind of flattering lately, too? Yeah, they've lost, uh, what, three of like, four and five you of know, seven? Iowa State, K-State, TCU, those three teams all kind of peaked too early. Is and it that or did the schedule just get tougher for them, maybe? The schedule got tougher for them, certainly. Because like, I'm looking at the schedule, and like outside oh, of losing at they home got, to Oklahoma State... They, like, they got to play the softer part of the Big 12 early on. Yeah. Now, I guess you could say, well, they lost to Texas Tech and West Virginia. Probably should have won at least one of those. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's bad. This is so hard in the Big 12. Uh, they're given, Ken Palm's given in Iowa State a 32% chance to win in Austin. Okay. Iowa State has lost... Nick Palm is giving them a 20% chance. <laughs> They've lost six straight games on the road. So that's not ideal. But they did win at Oklahoma and at TCU at the beginning of the year. Nick Palm is giving uh, Iowa State a lesser chance. Wouldn't it be Nick Spring? <laughs> oh, I guess. Ken Palm is like Ken Pomeroy. That's his actual name. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Nick, no, because that sounds stupid. Well, Nick Palm sounds kind of cool. Okay, but to be honest, when, when Ken Pomeroy put together the website called Ken Palm, like at first, when that first came out, people were probably like, that sounds so stupid. <laughs> but now it's just like part of college basketball lexicon. Yeah, like what else would you call it? Exactly. So now, so you, you just say Nick Spring enough, like Nick it'll Spring get there. is not nearly as cool as Ken Palm yet. Give it five years. But Nick Palm sounds way cooler than Ken Palm, I think. Because Ken Palm has already been established, you know. <laughs> That's like it, it's like instead of coming up see, with a new like, soda you name, call it you Derek, use... see like Derek Palm sounds stupid. Nick Palm sounds cool because it's still one syllable. So you couldn't be Derek Palm. That's uh, Nick stupid. Palm is not one syllable. What? No, your the first part. The Nick part, Ken and Nick, both okay. one syllable words. So I'd have to do Dare Palm? Yes. <laughs> no, you'd have to do, <laughs> I don't know, Derek John. <laughs> Dijon. Oh, Dijon. there you go, there Dijon. Right. No, Dijon's good. It's, like it's kind of too close to Dijon mustard, yeah. 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 You also might get sued by Bijan for because, you know, he has Bijan mustard, so he it's might. That's my name. He can't sue me. He, he might come after you. But I'm not selling mustard. But it's close enough to Bijan. So I'm just going to get sued because my name is close to someone else's. That doesn't make sense. Imagine Well, that. I don't know. If somebody started suing people being like, <laughs> like if, if uh, LeBron James started suing people because they named their kid LeBron because they're like, you had never heard of this name until I became a thing. Now you want to name your kid yeah, that? I'm no, suing that's, you. Yeah, that's my image. You can't just use my image without paying me of some sort. Well, if, so uh, if I created Nick Palm, would I have to pay Ken Palm? To use yes, Nick Palm? Yes, 100%. Because you have no reason to have the Palm in there. <laughs> it sounds cool. Okay. Well, uh, if Iowa State beats Texas tonight, certainly uh, the Big 12 will feel like he can bring the trophies out pretty soon for uh, yeah. I don't feel less. Yeah. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, going to join us next. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Nick Springer has just gotten out of the building he's uh getting ready to call some high school hoops free state girls will be at 5 30 the boys will be a little after that you can hear it on our sister station 92.9 the bull and bull 929.com we're joined now on rcst by kevin flaherty of 24 7 sports and uh kevin just put out his kind of annual article talking about some of the college basketball contenders and pretenders list with 24 7 sports we'll, we'll dive into that in a second here um, but I, one thing I was curious about, last night, Kansas beats TCU in Fort Worth. Jalen Wilson 
had kind of a rough game. Dewan Harris continues to be this uh, mythical creature when he scores four or more points in a game. They're undefeated, and over the last three games, he has 26 assisted two turnovers, which uh, kind of circled back some of the conversations that I've had about, you know, is is Jalen the best player, but is Dewan the most important player on this team? If you were putting together a list of an all-Big 12 team, not necessarily based on who you think the best players are, but maybe the most valuable players instead of just the best. Who do you think winds up on that list or is at least in that discussion? Yeah, I, I think Dewan Harris has to be up there. And actually, it's kind of funny because Isaac Trotter, who's our other national basketball writer, and I were having a discussion about the number one seeds. And we were talking about specifically, hey, if something were to happen to these guys, who who would be the best team who would be the worst, you know, Alabama without Brandon Miller, who I think is, is not only their best, but probably their most important player is probably still an NCAA tournament team. You know, they have a, a lot of depth, a lot of athleticism, you know, they've got a pretty good backcourt that has outplayed some other pretty good backcourts when they've been into big games. You look at Purdue, you take Zach Eady away. Uh, I think they lose pretty much their entire identity. You know, it's a team that I, I think, really kind of falls off the map, not just, you know, is no longer a, a number one seed, but really, you know, maybe becomes mediocre and possibly even worse than that. When you look at, you know, how young that backcourt is and all of those things, Houston is a lot like Alabama in that you can take, I feel like, any one of those guys and, and kind of throw them out, and the Cougars will still be pretty good because they're still – you know, a similar team, just slightly less talented if you take any of those guys out. And so the number one seed that we thought would drop off the most without a single guy was Purdue, but second was Kansas. And we didn't pick Jalen Wilson. We picked DeWan Harris. And that was that was kind of the reason why was nothing against, you know, Bobby Pettiford or, or Joseph Yesifu. It's just Harris does so many things for this Kansas team. And you saw, obviously, the defensive effort last night. We saw the defensive effort in the second half against Baylor when Kansas decided, hey, we're going to we're gonna stop switching all these actions and we're just going to let Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller go defend. You look at the baskets that he creates as a passer, and then, you know, just when he's aggressive offensively, how it opens things up for everybody else. I do think Dewan Harris would be certainly on that most valuable team, if not at the top of it. But I also think that even when you look nationally and say, hey, who are some of the most valuable players nationally? I think that Dewan Harris has a spot on that list. Well, uh, KU was able to kind of ugly up that game last night and get one of those classic kind of Bill Self wins. If you had to pick among some of the recent games that KU's played over the last two, three weeks, which game have you learned the most about KU? It, you know, this is going to take a, a second to answer, but, you know, it, I found it interesting you saying that's a Bill Self win because I think we've discovered over the years that those wins are kind of Bill Self catnip, right? <laughs> I, I remember the, the Champions Classic where Kansas beat uh, Kentucky back in 2017, the 2017-2018 season, and Kansas had all those shot makers. You know, you had... Devontae Graham next to Malik Newman and Spee and LeGerald Vick, and nobody could hit anything, and they still wound up winning that game. 
And it was funny because ESPN came out with an article afterwards that I think they do just about every year where they ranked the four Champions Classic teams in Kansas, even though it won, was ranked fourth out of four teams because, you know, it was so ugly. And yet I remember going down into the bowels of that stadium and talking to Bill Self and, and Derek, I'll be honest with you, Bill Self might as well have been whistling the sound of music. I mean, he, he was so fired up about it. And the reason why, and you know, those of us who hear him in press conferences will hear him say all the time, you know, oh, we just made shots. We looked good because we made shots. And I think for Self, he, not that he wants things to go badly, but he appreciates that when things go badly, when you don't make shots, when there's adversity, the team having the ability and the toughness to go ahead and win that game, you know, that's that's what he likes to see. Kansas in the second half against Baylor, you know, that was one of the best halves of basketball played by anybody across the entire country this year. And so that probably tells you quite a bit in terms of what this team's feeling is. I still think that probably says more about Baylor's defensive struggles, you know, as much as it says about Kansas. But I thought if you're picking a game, it's the TCU game. And the reason why is what we just talked about. Because in the NCAA tournament, you don't make shots for six straight games. Even Villanova in 2018 that made pretty much an absolute mockery of the three-point line didn't make shots for all six games. I think they had a what, like a two for 21 from deep or something like that against Texas Tech in the Elite Eight? And so how do you win when the shots aren't going in? And so I thought as big as seeing, hey, this is what Kansas looks like when everything is clicking, it was arguably more important to see last night, hey, Kansas can still win games even when the offense isn't clicking. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty. Again, you can check out. His latest piece with 24-7 Sports, uh, kind of this annual college basketball contenders and pretenders list, looking at some of these different parameters and what teams fit into it based on uh, past history here. Uh, was there, when you were putting together this piece, was there a team that, that maybe surprised you the most uh, that you figured going into it you were going to end up putting in one of the columns and they ended up being in, in the other one? Yeah, every year it's funny because I think you usually can tell which teams are going to be pretenders. Like knowing Baylor and what we see from Baylor, I knew Baylor was probably going to be a pretender because of the defense. You know, you watch Tennessee play and basically punt the ball at the rim sometimes. <laughs> and, you, and you figure, you know, hey, this is a team that looks great in, all, in advanced metrics, but you're probably not going to be surprised if Tennessee's offense doesn't fall into, you know, that, that contending category. And, and so I think you, you generally know the teams that are going to pop up and be pretenders. I think where you're really surprised is how many teams click the, the contending stuff, you know, Illinois hitting, hitting that margin, you know, uh, Maryland <laughs> being a, being a team that, that, clicks as a contender because their their stuff falls into the correct range. I, I think teams like that are bigger surprises. Generally speaking, when a team is so flawed on one end of the court that they're not going to be a contender, you know, it's something that you see or you notice or or you track a little bit. Whereas some of these other teams that I don't want to say are mediocre, but aren't like really elite in either category. And so you look at them and you kind of almost dismiss them as a team. And then you look at the numbers and it's like, well, 
their offense isn't great, but it's good enough. It falls into the title-winning threshold, and the defense isn't great, but it falls within the title-winning threshold. I think those are the teams that emerge as surprises every year. Well, when you're putting that list together, uh, for you, when you apply it to maybe picking your bracket or predicting what's going to happen once we do get past Selection Sunday, do you view it as like if a team ends up in the pretender list versus the contender list, where does that cutoff happen for you? Is it just that you don't think they're going to win the title, or is it that like you might not even pick them to make the Final Four? Like, like How deep are you willing to go with a team who maybe is in the pretender list and how far they could possibly go, do you think, in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I actually got absolutely murder-balled online <laughs> a, couple <laughs> years, a few years ago. If you think about the Arizona team that was so good with DeAndre Ayton and all those guys that wound up losing to some random coach named Nate Oates, <laughs> you know, in the first round, and I didn't pick Arizona to lose in the first round. I don't want to get on here and be like, oh, I, I nailed that one. But, you know, I, I picked Arizona in my, you know, bracket previews. I said, don't pick this team to go a long way. And, you know, they were in the, the pretender section because of their defense, and their defense got carved up in the first round. But at the same time, you know, it, it was something that it wasn't – when you look at the Final Four thresholds, they're vastly different, Derek. Like, you look at the South Carolina team that, that reached the Final Four, what was it, 17, I think? You know, that South Carolina team had, like, the 149th best offense in the country – and I know that this is going to be painful for a lot of people, but the VCU team that, that reached an 11 had like the number 126 or something like that defense in the country. And so usually you can fail the national title threshold and still reach the Final Four. It's still not very likely, though. And so when you, I, I guess all of that is a really long way to say when you see a program like that, when you see – like a Baylor this year that falls into the pretender category, I probably won't pick Baylor to the Final Four. It's still somewhat matchup dependent, but I would be lying if I said I didn't look at Baylor with maybe a more critical eye when the bracket comes out to say, hey, is this a round of 32 matchup? Is this a Sweet 16 matchup where Baylor isn't going to be able to guard somebody? And I kind of go from there. If you did have to pick one of the schools that, that did – toss into the bucket of pretenders to maybe be that statistical anomaly this year, who would you go with? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think when you look at Iowa state is really interesting because of the elite defense and because of what we saw them do last year, I, the problem with Iowa state is Iowa state's been so different on the road versus being at Hilton. But the flip side of that is, is, you know, you're not really on the road in the NCAA tournament either. And so they're, they're an intriguing bunch. I, I guess there's, there's a possibility that Baylor doesn't hit shots for six, for four straight games or for six straight games, but hits them for four and gets there. I think Tennessee might be the bet there. And, and it's, I don't like betting on any of them. I want to. I want to put that out there, so it's not, you know, so it's not like yeah. We won't hold you to it. And says, yeah, and says, oh, Kevin said Tennessee to the Final Four, like write it up. 
Um, and, and obviously Tennessee has had its, its challenges with going far in the tournament with Rick Barnes. But I do think that Tennessee is so athletic when they're healthy. They're so physical defensively that as long as they don't get just a super harsh whistle, that that's going to be the type of team that they're going to win a couple games just because they're going to overmatch the teams that they're against. And you get to the Sweet 16, you know, you're just a good game or two away from the Final Four. And so I think Tennessee would, would probably be the pick out of that pretender group. It's interesting because me and Nick were just talking and we were going, you know, TCU is going to be underseeded in the NCAA tournament. They're going to get like a seven seed. And we were looking and we were like, what two seed are they going to upset? And we were like, Tennessee. Because I don't know. That's just like the, I don't know if it's the Rick Barnes thing or, or what, but um, I, I I don't know. We saw, we saw Tennessee like at their A-plus game dominate KU. We've also seen them kind of have some of these weird losses here lately. But uh, if you were to, if you were to go through this and, and obviously like you have like, as you go through the contenders, I don't want to spoil everything. Like people should just read the article on twenty four seven sports. Uh, spoiler: Kansas is one of the contenders. But like as you go through this and, and look at the different contenders, realistically, how many of these teams do you give a real shot to winning the title? Like how far this year is your list? Because I feel like in most years, if you put together a list of say I don't know six, eight, ten, twelve teams, you would be able to pick the title every year. How deep is your list this year? Yeah, it's not super deep. And, and, you know, there are other things that that I'll look at. This is sort of one way to to sort of trim the pool, if you will, and make it a little bit smaller. Another thing that I'll look at that, you know, I wrote an article about last year, and I think we talked about on your show last year, is no team in the expanded NCAA tournament era has won an NCAA title without a a top 30 draft pick. It's it, almost everybody has been a first round draft pick. I think Steve Alford went like number twenty six, like back when they didn't have thirty first round picks, and so he was technically a second round pick. But like that's another thing that I'll look at, it, and I'll look at say Maryland and say, you know what they they don't have a guy on that team that I think is a is a first round guy. And I'd probably be knocking Maryland off anyway, but I'm just saying it's it's one of those things where you have different things that that sort of limit the pool, and then you make it a little smaller and a little smaller. You know, this year, some years, somebody will ask you a question, and by somebody, I mean you and Nick usually will ask you a question like, "Hey, if you can <laughs> if you can have these two teams or these four teams versus." Versus the pool, you know, what are what are you going to do? I, I think this year your pool is a little bit wider than in some other years. I think you guys asked me that very question about Gonzaga and Baylor one year, and of course they end up reaching the national title game. But I think this year the pool is a little bit wider. But as you know, Derek, when you look at it that way, and this is totally anecdotal, but it feels like whenever we sit here and say this tournament is wide open, any one of however many teams could win it, that's usually a year when you get a pretty chalk tournament, when you get like three number one seeds in the final four or whatever. Uh, I know something else that you've kind of chronicled in the past is teams with two lead guards having a ton of success winning the title every year. I guess last year KU sort of bucked the trend, but also didn't. just depends how you look at it. Like, you know, they mostly played three wings, but also, I don't know, you had Dewan Harris and Remy Martin who – Maybe they only played together for 10-ish minutes a game, but still, that's 
two really good lead guards to have next to each other. How do you kind of view this Kansas team into that classification? Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing with this year's team is it's it's kind of similar to last year's team in that regard, and yet also a little bit different in that I think last year, year two was, was Ochai Abaji, who's, who's kind of your prototypical wing, right? Whereas Kevin McCuller actually played point guard at Texas Tech at times. And so, yes, you're playing three wings again, and you could even argue you're playing four wings when KJ Adams is your five. But at the same time, I, I think McCuller brings a lot more of the creation, the ball handling, things like that. And so you aren't necessarily playing two point guards, but your second guy is almost like a combo guard who's very comfortable, you know, running the offense and, and things like that. And it's interesting that that you brought up the Tennessee game because when you look at national conversations about that game and they say, oh, you know, Tennessee just cost him and everything – Obviously, it was Kansas' third game in three days. Same with same with Tennessee, but Tennessee's a deeper team. People forget Kansas played 21 minutes that game, got 21 minutes out of their top two point guards. DeLon Harris played 18 before he fouled out. Bobby Pettiford played three minutes before getting hurt. And so if you look at, at that specifically where you say, hey, how are, you, how, is most, how are most teams going to look? when you're playing your number three point guard for half of a game against the nation's best defense, you're probably not going to look very good. And, and so I think that, you know, the two league guards thing, I, I do think Kansas has maybe a little bit more of that in its starting lineup this year. But like you said, the value and the ability last year to be able to play Dewan Harris and Remy Martin together, even if it was just for 10 minutes, here, you know, 10 minutes there, I think was pretty uh, was pretty key. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work in 24-7 sports. Kevin, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good rest of your week. Thanks a lot, Derek. All right, that's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 sports. Make sure to check out that article. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. We got some more KU basketball audio. Talk some more KU hoops coming up in our next segment here on RCST, KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com and the KLWN app. I'm Derek Johnson. Nick Springer is normally with me at this point in time, but uh, he's out getting ready for some high school basketball, which starts that coverage in about 15 minutes. Uh, it'll be Free State High School. We'll have the girls game, pregame 520, tip-off at 530. The boys game will start about I don't know, 15, 20 minutes after the conclusion of the girls' game. You can hear all that action with Nick Springer, Colsey DeButar on the call uh, over on our sister station, 92.9 The Bull and Bull929.com. You uh, can also listen to the Friday high school basketball action here on KLWN, which will have free state. Next week's going to be sub-state. Week after that will be uh, the state tournament if uh, we get some of the teams in it, which hopefully we do. We always enjoy bringing that coverage to you. Tonight, after the show here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, we're going to bring you Hawk Talk with Bill Self. That'll be from 6 to 7. Tomorrow, after the show, we'll have KU Women's Basketball with pregame at 6.15 and tip-off at 6.30. Kansas takes down TCU last night, 63-58. to It was... The ultimate ugly game, but in a positive way for KU. We know Bill Self loves to win ugly games. And 
for this year's team, there's not really a long list of other games that you could point to and say that, yeah, that that was uh, the big ugly win for KU where they didn't necessarily play their best, but, man, did they make the other team play really bad. You know, I guess you could you could maybe go back a little bit to the Duke game, but even then, I don't know that you made them play that bad. Like, they had a billion offensive rebounds. Uh, the Wisconsin game was kind of gross in the score, but I don't think you really made them play bad. They just played at a slower tempo, so the score's going to kind of be that way. Uh, the Oklahoma State game at home, like, kind of an ugly game because you had to have this mega comeback. The Oklahoma game at home, like, kind of an ugly game because you went 13 minutes without a field goal, but not really a game where you would define it as you just made them play poorly into earning the win. The only other one that, that Nick brought up earlier in the show was the Iowa State game that you won in Allen Fieldhouse, which you won 62-60. to and maybe that would be the one, but even then, Iowa State shot eight of twenty from three. Um, Iowa State had thirteen offensive rebounds. Like I, I wouldn't totally define that one as KU making them play bad. And you know, you look at what KU was able to do last night. It it really just kind of stems around the defense. The defense is able to ugly it up and turn it into a disgusting game. Um, like, but I mean that in the most like positive way possible that KU was able to muck up the game because of the fact that we hadn't really seen that from this Kansas team this season. And as you go through and and look through, you know, over the course of making a deep run in the NCAA tournament, you're going to need to win a lot of different games in that same way. Like, you're going to have to uh, have a game where, where everything's not really clicking for you, but you find a way to just win. Can you play the good enough defense to make that happen? And now Kansas has moved up into the top 10 in Ken Palm in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, from January 28th on, I think they're number eight on Bart Torvik in defensive efficiency. They limited TCU to 30%, and you just disallowed them to get into a rhythm. You basically, at the end of the game, you you hit the 60-point mark with 445 to go. They never crossed 60 from there. It was 60 to 53 at that point. You never let them cross 60. Like You just won that game with your defense. Kevin McCuller was fantastic. Put that whole highlight tape as an example of why he should win Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. Dewan Harris was fantastic on defense. You were able to use both guys kind of in the same way that you did against Baylor, where you just stuck them on you know, Mike Miles and Damian Ball like you did with Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer, and you said, go make a stop. Go make things difficult for their offense. And I think maybe the proof of that, like uh, of the idea that, as great as Jalen Wilson is, maybe he's not the most valuable player on the team, even if he's their best player. Jalen and Grady both had foul trouble, but Dewan and Kevin were able to stay on the floor, and you kept afloat at least. Like You certainly had some wacky lineups that you don't really expect to see much more of the rest of the season with uh, Joe Yesifu and Bobby Pettifer and MJ Rice and Ernest Uday kind of in there all together in, in different morphemes and, and forms together. Um, but you were able to just kind of work through because of the defense, and you held on the lead because of the defense. And even in a game where you didn't shoot well, where you didn't play well offensively, where you missed some open shots, where Jalen struggled offensively, where you had all that foul trouble, where KJ Adams struggled offensively, you still found a way to win on the road against a very, very good opponent in TCU, which you might look up and say, ah, well, it's 24th-ranked team in the country. It's a good win. It's not a great win. When TCU is healthy, that's closer to being a top-15 team in the country. So that's a really impressive win because – TCU was healthy in that game. Now, maybe Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin are still playing through injuries, but so is Kevin McCuller. And I don't know 
how good Dwan Harris's ankle is. Certainly, it seems like he's more than okay after the uh, ankle injury against Oklahoma State. One reverberation that I do have. Should we be worried at all about Jalen Wilson's, um, I guess, recent struggles here? Now, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with this. Jalen was on such a unbelievable tear. KU wasn't always winning those games kind of at the uh, middle to end of January that it was probably always going to have a little bit of a, a, I don't know, coming back down to average type of thing where when he's putting up, you know, 30, 35, 38 in a game, like there was going to be a little bit of a reversion to the mean there. So that could be part of this. Um, But how concerning is this? These are the last five games for Jalen Wilson because, you know, big picture, getting the victory, uh, putting yourself in great position to now win the Big 12 with that victory. You just take care of uh, your home court advantage and you hope Texas lose one in the next three, which very real because they're playing Iowa State at home, then at Baylor at TCU, so you'd kind of expect that to happen. You'll get at least a, a share of the Big 12. Everything is opened up now, even a path to getting a higher one seed, even maybe even the number one overall one seed. Like, all those things are there. The Bill Self National Coach of the Year conversation is now starting to come up. Like, maybe, uh, I don't know, a lot more different awards and, and different things are, are coming up for this team. But those are all positives, and overall everything was a positive. But if we are looking big picture, besides that stuff, like, should there be any worries about Jalen? So last five games, two points against Texas, 18 points at Oklahoma, 17 shots to get there, so not an ultra-efficient game, 14 points at Oklahoma State, which for him is one of his lower totals of the year. He did have the 21 against Baylor, but also a very rough first half, and then seven points at TCU. If you total it up over the last five games, Jalen Wilson is averaging 12.4 points per game on 36% shooting. He is 23 of 64 from the field. That is 36% from the field. How concerning is that? Well, like I said, could just be a bit of a reversion to a mean. I think it it is a little bit concerning in terms of as you finish out Big 12 play with your three final Big 12 games and the Big 12 tournament because I... We see this a lot as as the Big 12 season goes on. There's so many good coaches, so many good teams that the second time you play some of these teams, a lot of times it's a lot harder to get some of your tendencies going. And Jalen Wilson, we know, is so good driving his right. He has improved so much in the shooting and driving to his left and some of the other things that he's rounded out his game. But that's still his go-to. And you wonder how much these Big 12 teams have been able to take away maybe his first and second option and make it his third and how much that's contributing and then maybe he's just not making as many three-point shots that that we're kind of used to. Um, And so it's just a scouting report thing that you play all these teams a second time and, you know, once you... It's not just applying the scouting report, but it's that when you've actually played against a guy, when you're on the floor, if you're another player, it's going to be that second time around where you have maybe more success on the defensive end of the ball. But, like, I look to what Ochag Baji, because my my short answer here is that I'm not worried about Jalen Wilson. And part of it is looking to Ochai last year, where I think it's a perfect example. You're playing in the most difficult difficult conference in college basketball. You're playing against really good defenses a lot of night, night in, night out. You're playing against really good coaches who have really good scouting reports. Sometimes you're just going to hit a wall, and it's going to combine with a lot of those other things I just mentioned. I don't know how many people remember this. Ochai obviously had an unbelievable season last year. 
in uh, the month of so in the month of November, December, and January, he averaged over twenty points per game all three months. And here were his three point shooting percentages those months by month: forty two, fifty five, forty five. Unbelievable. Then in February, down to nineteen points per game, but the three point percentage dropped sizable amount down to thirty five percent. And then in the month of March. Ochai went down to scoring 14.8 points per game on 27% from three. So could part of that be, you know, you're hitting a wall. You've been the guy this whole time. You've had such high usage that maybe you're not used to in past years that maybe you're having to get over this hump and you're playing against all these really good opponents that it's just kind of wearing on you and, and you're starting to tire down a little. That could be a little bit of the case of Jalen. But as we saw in the final four, the two games that Ochai played in April, Scored 16.5 points per game on 59% from the floor, 64% from three. So clearly he figured that out after that. I think this is just a lull. Maybe he is a little bit tired from all that he's had to kind of carry for this team over especially that, that month of January and it's finally catching up. Maybe a bit of it is you're just playing good opponents, good defense, and they have good coaches and they have good scouting reports. I think it's kind of a combination of a little bit of everything. So, yes, if this were to continue... If Jalen only gives you 12.5 points per game the rest of the season, yes, that would be worrisome. We do know, though, that for Kansas, it's more about the sum of the parts than it is one guy. Like We've now seen multiple games, the TCU game and the Texas game, where Jalen did struggle and KU was still able to win. You know why? Because the sum of the parts. Because multiple other players stepped up. You had some contributions from the bench. You played good defense. Whatever it was, it's the sum of the parts at the end of the day. So if Jalen only averages 12.5 points per game, it's not that Kansas can't win, but you know he's going to be taking a big load of the offense. You know he's going to be taking a lot of shots. So if he's only averaging that few amount of points on 36%, that certainly is problematic for Kansas to reach all its goals. Certainly something to keep an eye on, not something I'm quite worried yet about, but it is something I think i probably bring up. Now on the flip side, Dewan Harris is doing the absolute like opposite right now. He's on an absolute heater. 26 assists to two turnovers over the last three games combined. He's scoring a bit too. Uh, the TCU game, he only had the six points, but it's just about the aggressiveness. Like, yes, you don't want him to go out there and be like, well, I need to be aggressive. Oops, I went 0 for 12. Like, yes, there's a line somewhere there. But, and yes, if he goes three of nine every game like he did against TCU, like that's probably not on the good side of that line too, where you'd rather just be like, no, maybe don't be that aggressive. But it's just about the idea that he's being aggressive and he is making the defense work in different ways and having to honor him in so many different ways that makes it harder to defend this team and it opens things up for other players. So even though last night wasn't the Baylor game where he had 14 points on 6 of 8, it still meant the defense had to respect him. And that opened things up to where he did have eight assists to zero turnovers. And then you add on the fact of how aggressive he's been with how well he is passing the ball. I, I said this last night, like, he's like a combination if, uh, of Aaron Miles, who's the all-time leader in assists in, in the Big 12. He has, like, that passing acumen. If you combine that with Russell Robinson, because uh, Russ Robb was this great, like, defender, on-ball defender, off-ball defender, all this stuff. Uh, for Kansas. It, it's like the combination of those two things, which, you know, Aaron Miles doesn't have his jersey retired. That's certainly a debate for some people. Russell Robinson uh, was a really quality player for Kansas, starter on a national title can, uh, team. You're getting like the best of both worlds of both of those players who are very good players. And that's how you end up with Dewan Harris. And then on top of it, like 
Aaron Miles was never like a big three-point shooter. Russell Robinson was never like a big three-point shooter. It's not that Dewan Harris is a big three-point shooter. He's not, you know, launching five or six a game or shooting him off movement. But when he's open, he is a much more efficient three-point shooter than either of those guys. So it's then like you added this extra ability to hit open threes that he's been able to do. He is on such a tear, and I think it just adds to the conversation that, you know, I've certainly had and I've asked questions about today to Kevin or whoever, just the idea that, I think Jalen is this team's best player, but DeWan Harris is this team's most important player. And as Jalen, we, we've seen him have great games. We've seen him have bad games. KU's won some of his bad games. They've lost some of his bad games. Like, he had a bad game against Tennessee. They lost. But they've also won some of his bad games, like Texas and TCU. They've lost some of his great games, like Kansas State and TCU the first time in Allen Fieldhouse. They've won some of his great games. But the common denominator... With Dewan Harris is when Dewan Harris isn't playing well, they've lost. When Dewan Harris has won, they've won. So that's really the guy where uh, he's kind of loading the wagons, so to speak. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got some KU audio from the players post game after their win in Fort Worth. We'll be back after this timeout on KLWN. Depend on it.